everybody likes guns They just don't know it Deep inside of the soul There's a cowboy trying to get out Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. All right, hello and welcome to episode 229 of New Shooter Canada. I'm Josh. With me is Amanda. Hello, everyone. Mike, how are you Hi, doing? Good, yourself? All right. And Thomas? Hello. How's everybody tonight? All right. Good to talk to you guys all again. We've got a got more people on the show than we have in the last little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Amanda bailed last week, so that's all right. That's really bad if Amanda bails. She's the only thing that keeps the show together some days. Yeah. Amanda was at hockey, so that's right. I was at hockey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Parental parental routine comes first. Indeed it does. Yeah. So why don't we jump uh, right into what we did in guns? How about you, Thomas? <sighs> I went shooting once. That was about it. And uh, I did work one shift in the store. And I had a couple of rentals last week. I got a message from my uh, my manager Thursday. He says, you don't have to come in Saturday. They didn't book any uh, rentals. And it slowed right down as we're getting closer to away from hunting season. Probably next week when the Christmas sales come up, I'll be back in the shifts. But that's about it. I haven't done anything. Didn't do any hunting. Um... I bought a new knife. I still don't have it in my hand yet. I ordered it the day of the flooding in Vancouver, and it's been stuck out there ever since. Oh, no. And it just landed in Mississauga last night, but they're going to have, they're going to be backlogged. So it's going to be another week before it gets here. So did you order it from somewhere in BC, or was it being shipped, and that's where the port was? No, I ordered it from Blades Canada. So they, they're in Burnaby, so they shipped it, and Canada Post picked it up that, that day. And I don't understand why it would be stuck there because the, the sorting facility is right across the airport and yeah. the two bridges to the airport weren't affected. So, but it's crazy out there. It's really bad. So uh, I'm thinking a lot of it was staff. People couldn't get in. Sure. For sure. There's only a couple bridges from the north. Uh, you can get to the island, but you couldn't get to, uh, to the mainland. So it's getting better, but it's, I've got uh, some friends and some relatives out there. So. So hopefully it'll be here soon. What I did, I've been putting off, putting off, putting off getting a Chris Reeves knife. And I finally bit the biscuit and I ordered an Nkosi. So hopefully it should be here before Christmas. Oh, Chris Reeves. So now I'm a special knife snob. <laughs> like you, <laughs> you know what I, I did? Like the last, <laughs> the last time I, I, I wanted it, I backed out and I bought three nice knives instead. And then the second time I was going to do it, I, I backed out the last minute and I bought two nice knives for the same money. So I'm getting from three to a little bit more for two. And then I'm looking at them again. I said, no, I don't want to get one. I was looking at a line steel. And Terry got it for me for Christmas. She said, do you still want that knife? I said, yeah, but I can't buy it. I back out every time. She goes, order it. So it's my Christmas present from Terry. That's nice. Yeah. So what kind of steel is it? It's the new S45D. And what I did, I got the plain Jane version. I didn't want the inlays or any artwork on it because it's already an expensive knife if it is. If it was really pretty, then I'd be scared to use it and scratch it and stuff like that. So it's just going to be plain titanium scales. And if I do scratch it up really bad, you can just send it back to Chris Reeves to get a spot treatment and then just reblast it and send it back the knife. So 
but if you've got artwork and everything, you know, if you've got, I know guys that carry like two, three thousand dollar knives, but they don't use them because they're just, it's like a man jewelry, right? And then they've got, you know, uh, an Omega on their watch. Well, it's, I'm, I'm not into that. I, I like nice stuff, but I want to be able to use my nice stuff. So, but yeah, we'll be able to open it to Christmas Day. It's going under the tree. So, oh well. Now the question is, with such a nice gift from your wife, what are you getting her? She hasn't told me what she wanted yet. <laughs> she we hasn't told you what you bought her yet? Yeah. <laughs> that too. That's usually the case, but she hasn't ordered anything yet. It was funny today, though. She uh, Terry's in a lot of pain, so she's been trying medicinal marijuana to help relieve, and it has. Um, so she likes the gummy bears, and what she does, she uses them mostly for sleep. So she we get up at the dispensary today, and she says, you know what? I want my... My Christmas stocking full of gummy bears. So I bet you there's going to be like 30, 40 packages. Like she bought like three, four hundred dollars worth of gummy bears. Oh, wow. So that's what she's getting so far. She's going to get this massive stocking full of gummy bears. So, you know, I'm sure there's Usually a lot some... of people who wouldn't complain about that. No, <laughs> she, got, she got herself gummy bears and caramels. And yeah, she likes the caramels. That's good. Well, she'll enjoy that then. Well, she's a lot easier to deal with now because she's not in pain. The, C the CBD does so, actually affect so the pain levels. How many gummy bears did it take to agree to a Chris Reeves knife? That's the question. <laughs> Are you asking so you you can... Uh... <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm wondering how it might relate to a 686. I'm just wondering how many, like, is there a ratio of weight to... to I don't know. Let's see. Hilarious. She, it would have been a good down payment on a Chris Reeves knife today up at the reserve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the good thing out there, the gas is like 22 cents a liter cheaper. So I always go up there and just fill the gas tank right up and just get it wherever she wants. But because it's in the snow belt, when we left, it's nice and sunny here. We left there. It was a snowstorm until we got down to the 401 and it was wide open. It was nice again. So it was a nice, fun drive. Mm -hmm. That's about it. What, uh, what about you, Mike? What have you been up to? I have been up to absolutely nothing. I yeah. opened up my safe once to uh, to go just to play with some of the revolvers to look at them, and a kid walked in. So I didn't. I pretty much unlocked the safe and then closed it back up because, yep, couldn't play handle anything. So uh, next closest thing is I saw a couple of deer in my backyard. Unfortunately, you know, if it was still rifle season, then they could have been. Uh, you know, we could have been talking about you know a successful hunt. But since it's bow season. Um, no, I am not, you know, attacking a castle. I'm not, you know, shooting an arrow at a 45 degree angle up into the air, hoping it'll come down. So no deer for me. So I thought, I thought maybe you're going to do Turkey this fall. I was, and I remember, oh, cause I looked at my schedule. I, I have no time to hunt during the week. And the, one of the weekends that, uh, Turkey season is here, I was up at Jay's for the whole weekend. So I had no opportunity to hunt turkey. And then the second weekend, I, I just told myself I'm not paying for a turkey turkey license to go hunting one day. Right, right. Yeah. So so maybe in the spring. Third so time's the charm. You didn't buy a deer tag then either, eh? No, I haven't bought a deer tag yet. Same kind of reason. I, I, I thought about hunting with a rifle, but I just... I just don't have the time. And now with it being bow season, like I would like to get out there and bow hunt, but 
with bow being a lot more like you have to be a lot closer because you know it's a bow so i just i would have to dedicate time to it and i just don't have time that i can dedicate right now yeah yeah fair enough how about you josh what have you been up to well I'm kind of in the a little bit more than nothing boat, uh, not a whole lot. Um, we just did our uh, our pistol night on a Thursday night last week. And that's that's really all we did. We shot a 480 match, and uh, Amanda shot this time, which was cool. So we each got to uh, to compete against each other, and we we shared the grand power. And Who won. And wait for it, wait oh. for it. She beat me. Excellent. <laughs> awesome job. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So now she's not allowed to borrow my gun anymore. So <laughs> can't be. What you buying? Have a gun. <laughs> uh, you know what? It was really at a point of we were. I think too nice to ourselves when we were scoring because we didn't. We should have gotten uh, Matt to score them. Yeah, we we saved it till we got home. <laughs> yeah, because, because right after the match, um, uh, we had uh, promised the boys that we would shoot at the range. Yes, after and, that we, was... and we brought an audience, so maybe that's why she beat me. Oh, maybe, but uh, <laughs> I'll get into that a little more later. But uh, we were sitting there counting all the holes, and I uh, there's definitely a few that either went through the same chunks of paper that were missing, or they were flyaways. Uh, on both of ours so i'm like he's like well i'm gonna count them as tens and i'm like <laughs> okay and i only beat him by four points so but it wins a win that's what i well and, and that's that. the thing about the scoring i was trying to explain it's like if you have a if you have a big hole in the middle of the target and i mean really not too many flyers maybe one or two flyers then i mean the benefit of the doubt is to the shooter it went through the hole right yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I scored them. So. Yes. Yeah. So we did score our papers on that consensus, but really and truly, I was probably. Okay. So next time yeah. we're going to let an independent third party score yeah, the sheet did. like we should. Like that's that no, when you when you score your target in a case like that, we're not sure the shots. Do you flip the target over and look at the back? Uh, we did. Like but you could, the, but that way that to... that way you can actually see the tearaways as it's going through. It makes it kind of easier to identify them sometimes. Well, Josh had some. Um, his was more like one big ripped up cluster that, like, there was no way to officially kind of look at even the tearaways. Um, whereas mine, more so, you could see the tearaways because I it's. You know, I was definitely getting a lot of nines and tens, but mine were more spread out around the paper. Whereas Josh is like, yeah, there's a big, big freaking hole in the middle. So, you know. So, of course, they all went through there. Of, of course. course. They did. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially if you've got a, a solid mass of hits. Yes. Yeah. You don't have a lot of flies. Odds are if they went through. That's, yeah. That still reminds me when I was in Scout, when I was a kid, I remember we got to go to an air gun range one time. And I remember my dad had one bullseye. And I remember saying to my dad, oh, you missed. And he said, no, they all just went through the same hole. <laughs> and me being a kid, I believed him. And like as I grew up and I started shooting, I'm like, there's no freaking way did they all go through the same <laughs> hole. <laughs> so did you two score each other's targets or did you score your own? We we scored our own together. Like we watched each other score. <laughs> okay. Together, together. Yeah. So it was okay. like, yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, it definitely. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, we just get someone else who's there to score it next time, and then we don't have to even worry about this argument, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, but Amanda, Amanda still won. So that's I mean, that's if, she, counts, if right? she ever gets to shoot, because I mean, she's got to get her RPAL first and get her own gun, and it's going to be a while before she gets to shoot. <laughs> You're just trying to delay her so you can get your skill <laughs> level up, so you can make sure that you uh, you win next time. That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh. So Amanda, you want to add to our to our evening? Yeah, sure. So <laughs> the whole reason why we I was even able to go was we I talked to the boys about Josh going to the range, and they were like, "Oh, can we go?" And I was like, "Hmm, you know, can we handle this today?" Sure. So boys wanted to go and shoot at the range again. So the promise was if they behaved themselves well, the the match was going on, that they'd be able to go and shoot um uh, a rifle for at the end of it so um you know first up was uh nico he's very rambunctious and excitable but you know i have a really good way of of managing him and it's just and i'm not nitpicking at him as much because he's seven so you know it's main thing is like Point it that way, downrange, and you know, keep your finger off the trigger, which he was really good at. Um, and you know, he got some some hits on paper, so we were pretty happy about that. But when it came to Dawson, um, I had to walk away. He was so, um, I know, mom, and <laughs> trying to do things his way, and so, you know, Josh just stepped in, and he, and he. He handled him just amazing. Just, you know, here, buddy, I have a, uh, this is what I do. So if you want to do it, great. If not, you do it your way and see how it works. So if you want to do it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, um, whereas, uh, you know, at that point, uh, of course, uh, short, short attention span for Nicholas. So he ended up inside the club watching cartoons for a while while Dawson continued to he decided he wanted to shoot the handgun as well so I brought the Wrangler yeah with the Ruger Wrangler for him so he could try and he thought that was really cool and uh, he's definitely excited to go again so I'm really glad that they're showing interest but it's definitely a, a factor of you can tell that Dawson's ready for it but Nico is not um but I want him to be more exposed and, and get his time in. And I mean, that's what the clubhouse is for. He can turn on the TV or color a picture yeah, or do a, something else. We've got other things we've that we've got we like can a 60 do. inch big screen in there. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it works out. And it has a Netflix. Or no, it doesn't have It's Netflix. a smart TV. Yep. It, yeah. Yeah. It is a smart TV, too. So if I wanted to hook up my Netflix, I could. So, you know, it's, it's not a biggie. So all in all, it was actually a really good, good trip. I thought so. I've got a, I've got an old stock, an old Cooey stock in the gun cabinet. I think I'm gonna just, you know, have them just handle that a bit more first. Yes, just you were saying handling to, was the worst. They were just, part they seem so uncomfortable every time they they hold it. Yeah, because <laughs> this, this time we, what gun did we bring this time around? Because we didn't do the. It was your, it was your Savage. Oh right, it yeah. was yeah. So we brought my bolt action uh, Savage. So Mark II or the Mark II, yeah. Sorry, lost my train of thought there. Yeah. But um, so I found, yeah, it was a little more awkward for Nico to kind of rest up. Dawson, 
better, but yes, it was the handling. It's just the comfort, right? Like they just, they're standing awkward. They're not going to hit anything if they're bit contorted into some strange shape while they're trying to hold it. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know. Just so they're not more... shooting prone or bench or they're standing for all those shots. Yeah, we just stood at the port, but there's a bench. There's like a little shelf that they could lean on. And I tried with a bag and I tried with a with a support and just tried to set them up. And eventually Dawson was was getting more comfortable. But I just, I just think some practice would be good. Yeah. Just in the basement with a empty stock and just kind of just practice. Right? Yeah, but more and more. Yeah, just, I think, the, like, the blank stock's a great, tra- great training tool because you can put uh, sling studs on it, put a sling. You can yeah. put a fake a broom handle as a barrel and you can teach them how to shoot prone and shoot them the natural point of aim and everything just with the stock. If you put a red dot on it, yeah. just to point down range, that's that's a great training tool because that way they can see whether actually right. their movement is going to impact their shots. And it doesn't cost you anything, right? Yeah. But more and more I'm starting to think that a little rascal might be more <laughs> appropriate for them to just get that proper fit between their shoulder and the chin and well that's the thing too like they they keep tucking the stock under their arm because they want to be closer to the sights right because it's a little bit long yeah it's it's too big for them yeah yeah Yeah. i just but my concern is spending that kind of money you know of course at max we can only do two kids at a time so we could get two (laughs) little rascals but at well that's the thing that's the thing with guns though you could probably sell it for as much as you paid for it and yeah true no, you have a 1022, don't you? I do have Josh? a 1022. Amanda a 10, does. Yeah. I do. Okay, well, you can get an Axholm uh, Blackhawk stock. And it's an AR stock for the 1022, and you can make it really, really short to put the kids and make it long to 50 adults. And oh, I think I paid 150 for the stock. Half the price of the rifle. That's a good idea. Yeah. That, that's a yeah, good idea. Amanda doesn't pick the stock on hers anyway, so. Yeah. It, we had one on, we had them on clearance for like. 50, 50 bucks, 75 bucks for Where were you two on that? years. Come on. <laughs> for two years, they sat there before somebody bought them. I paid 200 for mine. Wow. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, uh, but yeah, any AR adjustable stock that for a 1022 it's, is a good option. Yeah. Well, quick question, Josh. If you have an extra Kui stock, is it for one of your 22s? Well, yeah, I could cut that one down. I was going to say, if you have an extra one, you could always cut that one down and just butcher it yourself. Yeah. But wasn't that one from Grandpa? No, no. No? It was a spare one that I got when I bought my, one of my cooies. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just, I just hated the thought of cutting it down, but you're right. I mean, I'm not using it. I mean. It's just a thought, right? That's a free, that's a free option if you don't want to spend money. Yeah, 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 for sure. yeah, I also didn't know if your cooey was a, a, a collector's item where you're like, no one's allowed to touch it unless you're wearing gloves. <laughs> no, it's a cooey. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not my opinion, but not everyone shares my opinion. So yeah. if, if you do, if you do cut it, keep the piece that you cut off because when you grow, they get bigger, you can reattach it and give the extra length back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, this is a spare stock. So it's, you know, it has some value, but not a lot. So I might as well. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But at what point did they start um, holding like a full size rifle? You know, like a twenty-two rifle. Oh, just depends on their size. Well, I know, but there's got to be a, like an age average. At what point did they start with big boy guns? You know what I mean? High school. Once you high school, you, you, high school, you usually are tall enough to handle something like that. Yeah. Okay. 
So we would get several years out of a smaller one, though, if we decided to do a little rascal yeah. or make adjustments. It's not like it's going to be two years and they've grown out of it. Like we had this. Well, the other thing, too, I believe you can get full size stocks for a little rascal as well, too. Can you? So if they grow out of it, you can, because they've got AccuTrigger, they've got great sights, and just put a full size sight on it. You have a nice little short barrel plinker. I like that idea. Really do. I didn't know they had that option. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. yeah, I remember I saw uh, something on YouTube. A guy had a full size stock for the, the rascal. I don't see why not. Cause, or Savage probably has something. Yeah. Well, I want to encourage them. I want them to be safe. I want them to, you know, be able to uh, continue to have that relationship like we do with guns. And wow. I, I, and that way we can make it more of a thing that we can go more it could, often. It could be another excuse to buy a Kui. I could get a Kui 39. That would be a good one for kids and then cut the stock a little bit. Yeah, but they've got horrible triggers and you can't put optics on them. And... Yeah, and that's the other thing about using the stock on my my 1022, though, is that I already have the scope on my barrel. Yeah. And so that means I'm sacrificing taking that off. Yeah. Because so I really, yeah, as much as that was a great option, uh, that means disassembling the whole caboodle there. So I no, like but that. No, that was they are not, just not yeah. yeah, I guess so. Now with the 1022, the whole action comes up and just goes right into another stock. You don't have to take anything apart. One yeah. screw. I thought you had to take the scope off when you clean it. Yeah. No, that's what George does. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great ideas, guys. Thank you. But uh, Well, that's the advantage of You've already got the rifle dialed in. <clears throat> Odds are that the scope you put in another stock, as long as it's not contacting the, the barrel at all, your point of impact should be the same. Well, okay, that's good to know. So, well, no, that's some exciting things. But anyways, that that was pretty much it that we did. All right. Dance. Well, should we should we get into the main topic? So, Josh, I... before we mention it, did you actually hear that episode when George met, mentioned that he took the scope off every time he cleaned his gun? I don't know if I've heard the original episode, but I must have heard it talked about a few times. Yeah. He's talking about his process, right? And I do this, I do that, and I take the scope off. And I go, you need to take the scope off. He goes, why do you take the scope off? He goes, well, I get solvent on it. Says, no, no, no. Because I put it back on, I only have to adjust it a little bit once they put it back on. I'm just <laughs> killing myself. George, once it's on, leave it on. Don't take it off. That's hilarious. But every time he cleaned it, he took the scope off. Because that's... <laughs> that's George. <laughs> he doesn't do it now. Yeah. Love George. Oh, he's a sweetie. I miss George. I haven't seen him in a long time. I haven't seen him since before he got married. Well, I tried to get him onto this topic because I thought uh, I thought this would interest him, but I guess not enough. <laughs> but. Well, it's that time of year too, so he's probably very busy at the church. I I will agree with that because he's usually yeah. on the. <laughs> Benny, Benny has holidays coming up as well too, so. Yeah. Oh. Well, our main topic season. I wish I, I wish I could speak Russian, but I can't. Um, dealing with Cosmoline. We all, we all love Cosmoline. <laughs> what is this wonderful product? Cosmoline is the uh, genericized trademark for a common class of brown, wax-like, petroleum-based corrosion inhibitors. Just sounds wonderful. They are <laughs> viscous when freshly apl applied and have a slight fluorescence and solidify over time with exposure to air. I found this interesting when researching. Those who know me may pick out why it caught my eye. See if you can tell. Cosmoline was developed 
by Houghton International in the 1960s or or 18 or sorry 1860s or 1870s as a pharmaceutical product. The original cosmoline was an ointment and used for many different uh, cosmetic and medical purposes. It was even advocated to promote hair growth. <laughs> it was kept in, in homes to disinfect wounds and was used by veterinarians to, or veterinarians to treat cuts, abrasions, bruises, sprains. Cosmoline could even be found on, on farms where it was used as, uh, to relieve swelling in cow's udders. So what do you think? Think I'm, think, some, I'm thinking the part that relates to you is the ridiculous. 1860s part. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe that could be. No. But I'm thinking I, I should just rub my, my uh, Mosin all over my head and see what happens. <laughs> so who invented Cosmoline? Who invented it? Yeah. Well, it says Houghton International. I'm not sure who they are. I didn't look that up. But... So a corporation. <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah, so yeah, but probably a petroleum corporation. Yeah, probably. I wonder if I could use it to shave with. That might be cool. Good luck. <laughs> you might not get razor burn. That's right. Yeah. Um, my, rust, my razor won't get rusty. Uh, but but if it promotes hair hair growth, will that just mean as soon as you shave it off, it'll just grow right back? Like Tim Allen and Santa Claus? That's right. I need some then. Comer sense. <laughs> so around, around the panel... Who has what surplus? Mike? Uh, I have two. My first surplus was an SKS because, you know, who doesn't have an SKS? Um, yeah. it, I'm trying to remember if it actually came in the... I don't think it actually came in the plastic wrap, but it okay. was definitely like as soon as you grabbed it, you could feel the Cosmoline on it. Like it was pretty thick on it. <laughs> um, and then I also have a Takarov QC33. That one did come in like the uh, not Ziploc, the like sealed vacuum sealed bag full of Cosmoline in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My my SKS came the same as yours. I think I, I bought it at Cabela's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just came in a box. It had like a light coating, and in a few of the areas there was a, a little bit of gunkiness in it, but it wasn't really uh, it wasn't thick on there. Yeah, but what about you, Thomas? The first SKS I got, it was loaded. <laughs> it was I got it probably in seventy six, seventy seven from LeBaron's, and it was Chinese. And yeah, it took forever to get that crap off. It was one of the ones like the red fiberglass docks. And then I bought another one, one of the uh, Tula Arsenals, maybe five or six years ago. It it was an Arsenal refinish, so it was whoever. I think I bought it from uh, Frontier Firearms. It was perfect. It was all the cosmetics was gone. It was nicely cleaned off. I didn't have to do anything. Oh, nice. Was that one? I mean, all SKSs are used, but was that one like someone else, like a customer, had bought it, cleaned it, and then brought it back to that store for resale, <gasps> or, or was that just a store no. cleaned it for you? No. Well, the Russian government reissued originally uh, ten thousand SKSs to Canada about. I'm guessing five or six years ago, maybe more since. And what happened, all the stuff they had in uh, Arsenal, like they, it never got used. As soon as the SKS came out, uh, like a month or two later, it was immediately replaced by AK-47. So the only time you ever saw an SKS in any type of... Um, the Russians themselves never used it as a combat rifle. Other countries did, but you saw a lot in... Uh, they had a whole bunch of nickel-plated ones that were used in parades and stuff. They would use the SKSs. 
But uh, as soon as the AK-47 came out, they all went into inventory. They were all stored in 12, like 10, probably 10 years ago they released them. That's why you see so many right now. Now the supply is starting to dwindle up, up a little bit. That's why there's no longer $200 SKSs. Now they're $400 SKSs. Right. The demand's starting to build up now. Yeah. Good to know. So is there anything you guys are looking for? Anything that you want? Any dream surplus? If that's a thing. <laughs> Dreams. I would love a Luger. Yeah. That's something I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I'm not much into surplus guns in general. I just, I'm more about the modern stuff. Yeah. Now, with that we... said, I would love a Lee Enfield, like an original Lee Enfield, but I mean, yeah. who wouldn't want one? For 2500 bucks. Exactly. That's the that's the reason why I don't have one. <laughs> I got to play with a Ross rifle a couple of years ago, and it was it was mint. It was like brand new, and it was a beautiful rifle. Yeah, but that's... I'm you know I'm your TT thirty three there, Mike, on another episode. I mean, they're not really that practical for anything other than just going to the range and plinking, right? Yeah. Because I mean, I think you you bought it with the idea your first gun for for competition but then quickly realized that it wasn't really what you needed <laughs> no it's it's very much not because it's i was going to say it's not even cock and lock cuz there's no lock it's just cock so there there's no yeah it's it's not a practical gun for competition or for like carrying or anything there's nothing wrong if all you're going to do is load up a mag shoot the mag and like you know you're never going to holster it but that's just not my thing so i just it doesn't have much use to it well, a lot of people, when, when they buy pistol, they they just do casual target shooting. Not everybody gets in a competition. And for a lot of people, that would be fine. They'd love something like that just to shoot you know, a couple times a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I don't know how ammo is nowadays. But back when I got it, I was this was back when I was still going to uh, gun auctions quite frequently. Um, and I picked up two crates of ammo for that gun that I don't even know if I've ever even opened up. <laughs> and I don't think I paid very much for it, but yeah, yeah. You could probably turn a profit these days for it. I, I probably could, but I mean, I'd have to go through the effort of trying to sell it. This is true. Might as well keep the gun and ammo. You never know. Well, that and like ammo to me, selling ammo unless you know someone locally, especially when you're talking about two crates of it. Like, I, I'm not paying for shipping for that, and I can't imagine that it would be. I can't imagine it'd be worth it for someone else to pay for shipping for it. No, because then you no. just lose your, your value of the surplus, buying surplus, right? Exactly. So that's why it's like, all right, so I, I'm limited in where I can sell it. You know, that, that really restricts how many people I have the option and who wants to buy two crates of ammo. But yeah, whatever, you if you're in the Ottawa Kingston area and you want it, hit up the show. <laughs> I want it. Put a, put a memo up in the gun, in the gun club. Yeah. You, you don't just want the ammo. You no, that's what I say. I want, I want the ammo and the gun. <laughs> I don't know. Mike doesn't seem to like to give no, up his guns. But so. that is that is one that I want now because I have the I have the SKS and now I've got the Mosin and now I need the TT33. So I have everything, right? Oh. Well, it's not everything, but no, I mean, you still you don't have the SVT40. That's what I was gonna say. That would be the next thing that I'd want. Yeah, but that's I, getting up. They there. are fun to shoot. I almost bought one years ago, and I really wish I did just for the resale value. Right. But yeah, think about how much the Mosin kicks, and think about a semi-auto version of that, like just running through a mag. That'd be fun. Yeah. Or 
<laughs> yep. But, uh, all right. Well, what what did you talk me out of, Thomas? I almost bought a surplus nine mil before you sold me the uh, the Grand Power. I think it was a Beretta Beretta ninety two. Was it? I think. Actually, was yeah, a- we we have one at the uh, at the shop, and a young man was looking at it the other day, and he was thinking about competition. I said, "No, this isn't the gun for you." Yeah, it was a surplus Beretta, um, but it's um, it is a ninety two, but it's an older model, so the mag release is at the heel. Oh yeah. Old stuff. Oh. So for for competition, it's it's not it's not desirable. No. But I know some people that actually have bought them, and uh, they're accurate. They shoot well. Yeah. Hundred bucks, right? Yeah, I think they're going for under five hundred dollars. Yeah. It's a typical bread. I just the, the, the ass end of the grip's a little bit different, and that's where your mag release is a big gaudy button. But yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I imagine if the parts are compatible with new versions of the 92 then that could be a very you know like you said if you're just a target shooter that could be a very good gun to get because you can actually replace all the parts that they break whereas the tt33 like i have no idea where i'd get parts if i ever broke something it would just be like go buy another gun right yeah i'm sure some of the parts would be interchangeable yeah and it's also a recognized gun right so i mean if you wanted you know, if you wanted something that was recognizable, or maybe you were a big fan of, you know, whatever the, when was the, the Brettas were really big in movies in what, in the 90s, I think? Yeah, it's the 1980 cop gun, right? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. if, if that's why you want one, then that's, then that would be a great way to get one and not have to pay, you know, new prices for, I know Brettas still making the 92s, they made a new version of it uh, lately, I can't remember what it's called, but I imagine sure. it's not cheap. There, there are other options. Sometimes um, the Beretta G is uh, is very popular in law enforcement, the double action only trigger. And there's a company up in Markham called Police Ordnance. And you can get, last time I looked, it's been a while, but they have uh, used Glocks, like, like agency turn-ins when they, when they sell it. And they do sell them to the public. But they had the Berettas, and they were like 500 bucks. Hmm. New production, but double action only trigger. Yeah. So, what were you gonna say, Amanda? I was gonna say I pretty much consider your collection mine. So. Well, you can consider that if you want. I yeah, guess. yeah, I know, but <laughs> kind of wondering, like, I don't know, because I have I have a, a soft spot for surplus as well. I I really enjoy shooting the SKS and even your Mosin. At first, I was a little miffed about it, but I I don't mind it at all. Uh, but I was kind of wondering what you guys thought would be a good surplus option for me. Whatever job um, next. <laughs> <laughs> well, he well, already has an SKS, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you said you said you have a soft spot in, for uh, surplus. What is yeah. your soft spot? Like, is it because you're into, like, World War One history or something like that, or I like more historical value. I think she I just like appreciates, old, I like... appreciates the... Uh antiquity of it maybe i don't know yes i will say i do appreciate antiquity and you know what sometimes um you know just because it's older doesn't mean it doesn't work well you know what i mean it's good old um you know craftsmanship and yes historical value is important to me i like i uh, i do have uh, several antique pieces throughout my house in general so I, I value those pieces, right? Okay. Like I have some that are 150 to 200 years old. I think we house, need an so. M1 grand. She needs, and, an S, uh, S24. Yeah. she needs a 40. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, yeah, common ammo. Good. Keep the um, the the ammo coming that in the uh, the Mosin. That's a good idea. Yeah, that would be good. I'd yeah. be happy. With I'll have to look into that, but of course, it's got to be in good shape. So, but well, you're you're not going to get military surplus in good shape. It'll they grade military firearms differently than they do civilian firearms. So it's in military terms, it would be in good shape. But in civilian terms, it would be considered poor just because you might have wear and tear on them. Well, yeah, like when I look at Josh's Mosin, like you can see the pitting and but I mean, the stock in itself is is pretty good. Uh, but the SKS is like amazing condition. So I think that would be more valuable to me. And I know it sounds kind of petty that looks would be important, but I mean, that's the whole idea of like presenting it and showing it off, right? Something, if you're yeah. going to collect something. Yeah, well, something like the, the, the Moe's in the SP-40, they were actually used in, in battle. So that's why they have all that wear and tear and stuff where the SKSs were never actually used. So. Mm-hmm. Which in that case, I would, I would be yeah, excited about I got, about I got that, really lucky you know? with the SKS. It's a nice blued barrel and yeah. everything's in good condition. And yeah. the stock only has maybe one or two little gouges on it and just everything's in pretty good shape. So I got really lucky, especially buying it sight unseen. Like I just ordered one and it showed up, right? So I was really yeah. fortunate. And nice thing is too, there's, there's several, there's a couple of good hunting rounds available for the SKS. You're not stuck to shooting surplus. You can get a good hunting bullet. And within distances, there, it's a good deer rifle. So yes. yeah. It's a lot of people's first firearm up here in Canada. So first center fire. Yep. It was my first center fire rifle, semi auto center fire rifle. That's why I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> How can you go wrong with 200 bucks, right? Well, that that was the idea, right? And then I had to clean it like twice after shooting the corrosive ammo. And I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say that's the most frustrating part. Like, speaking of cleaning. Yeah. Well, well, well especially my I, first, I would spend my like first an hour. Chaos cost me 75 bucks. <laughs> Oh boy. Enfields were fifty bucks. Molson's were around fifty to seventy-five bucks, depending on condition. Nobody wanted a full mill spec Enfield. They wanted everybody wanted the sporterized. That's why you don't see them in, in original condition these days. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. Okay, Cosmoline. Who's the, who's the lead host here today? Well, apparently not you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, I do like her. I know. <laughs> Why don't you take over, Amanda? Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. So before you start cleaning, here's a list of things that you'll need. Acetone, mineral, mineral spirits, or kerosene, but avoid the kerosene when possible, or when your firearm has been painted or blued. What's the acetone used for? Like to, to work it down? So it'll it'll thin out the... Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. Because I, when I did my uh, SKS, I just used uh, mineral spirits, and it worked just fine. Okay. Um, it did take the finish off of the stock a little bit, so I just kind of, I just uh, used a damp rag, like I just dampened a rag mm -hmm. with it, and just wiped it a little bit, and that's really all I had to do. I was lucky, like I said, that mine wasn't like caked in it, mm -hmm. um, but it did take a bit of the gloss off. But we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Um, soap and water, chop rags. Toothbrush or a smaller paintbrush for cleaning smaller or hard-to-reach spots. Uh, Q-tips, cotton swabs also work. Uh, What's well, the same thing, just the brand name. Uh, you can also use a heat gun or an older oven to help melt the cosmoline out. Um, there's other ways to ach achieve the same effect. Um, like when I did mine, uh, I just took mine and put it on a piece of plywood out in the sun for a couple of afternoons, and I found that that really did the trick. I mean, 
heated it up nice and nice and good, but it didn't uh, cause any damage. Like I know Thomas was saying, if you if you use a heat gun, we'd be really careful. Like a hair dryer would be better because you don't want to cause any damage. I know. Uh, I know when I shoot my SKS, if I if I shoot a whole whack of rounds, and it gets really hot, it gets hot really fast. But when it gets really hot, the cosmoline actually that I didn't get cleaned out actually starts melting, melting down. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can get it on the stock again, and it starts to stink. But that's yeah. okay. It's part of the charm. I I had that problem too. I always want to try. Uh, I heard this method, and it was to take your stock off the gun, put it inside a garbage bag. And then leave that in the sun. That way the garbage bag will absorb a lot more heat and oh, yeah. trap it inside the bag to get it nice and hot. But it will never get it hot enough to actually like catch your stock on fire. Right. I never did that because I used to live, you know, in a subdivision and I had my backyard was completely exposed and I wasn't like you know, it might have been a garbage bag, but you know, you're always paranoid about that kind of thing. And then I just I just forgot about it before I moved to the country. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that would be smart. That's a good idea. A black garbage bag that would get really hot inside and it would keep all the mess inside the bag. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so how to, how to clean your gun. The cleaning process begins with removing as much of the cosmoline as possible. Uh, what you want to do is apply heat to the gun. You can do this, like you say, by wrapping your firearm in towels and placing it in a black trash bag. So I did have that in the notes. And leaving it sit out in the sun or using another heat source, such as a heat gun or older oven. Uh, to return the cosmoline to its liquid state. Attempting to remove the rust preventative after letting it warm up will turn the cosmoline into an oilier coating as opposed to a thicker wax-like substance. Once you've accomplished this, you can move on to the next step, which is applying your chemicals. A lot of people swear by mineral spirits as a primary solvent to remove the cosmoline, and you can apply it with a rag, submerge, or dip your gun into it. A sealed PVC tube or a large container uh, are both good for soaking parts and mineral spirits, depending on the size of the firearm and the container. Uh, you can opt to disassemble your firearm before you start the process or keep your gun intact throughout the cleaning process. Removing all the cosmoline will take a significant work uh, regardless, either way. Uh, so it comes down to a matter of preference. Disassembling can make the process somewhat easier, but isn't absolutely necessary. What did you do, Mike? Um, I just took my gun apart because I pretty much took all like all the internal guts and I put them inside a what is now my mixing bowl was Sarah's mixing bowl and poured <laughs> boiling water into it. Yeah, and that that's how I got all that. And then I just took that boiling water and poured it, you know, on the action and the barrel and stuff. And I and I had confidence that I could do that with no stock on it that I wouldn't damage the stock in any way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you'd want to leave it together because I know when I took my trigger group out, there, that's really where most of the caked on stuff was. Yeah. So you know, I can't see how you'd get that out unless you actually took it apart. I have a quick question. So what would happen if someone tried to shoot a gun without cleaning the cosmolina? What do you think would like what would be a worst case scenario that would happen? I think the, the barrel, barrel obstruction. Yeah. I barrel so it's it's pretty important to be cleaning out the cosmoline after you purchase your surplus firearm then. Like it, it's like a Well there's a good chance that it won't even function if it's full of cosmoline because the firing paint can be full of gunk. Like, like Josh's trigger group is full of gunk and if there's obstruction in the barrel, goodbye. Yeah. And if it's That's any like sort of semi or something like that, it might not cycle proper properly if there's too much uh, friction in there. Okay. Yeah. The other good thing about about doing a, a complete thorough disassembly, if you just do like a partial, 
you start shooting a gun and it starts to heat up, stuff starts to drip out. <laughs> you take it out in the warm sun and it all it all starts coming out. So it's important to get it all out. Yeah. So I guess Amanda's point is it's a more of a sa- it's a safety thing more than just you know making my gun look pretty and not stink. So. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Okay. Uh, hot water and dish soap. These uh, these two things together will help dislodge and remove the remaining traces of cosmoline, along with a fair amount of elbow grease. Following a wash rinse cycle will help coax the cosmoline out from the crevices and grooves. So repeat the process until your water runs clear and you can handle each part without it feeling greasy or oily. You'll want to move, rotate, and flex parts to exercise hidden bits of cosmoline. The more you manipulate, wash, rinse the firearm, the more you'll see uh, creep, it, creep to the surface. At this stage, you may benefit more from disassembling the entire gun parts, uh, like the bolt assembly of a rifle and letting it soak in the mineral spirits. Then when you're all done, you want to uh, finish the job with oil and lube. After hours of scrubbing, you'll eventually want, you'll remove the majority of the cosmoline from the gun, but you can't stop with that. You have to apply the necessary gun oil, lubrication, and stain for wooden stocks to preserve the piece so, <clears throat> piece so hard on cleaning up. Uh, it's uh, very important that you get as much of the cosmoline out of the gun as possible to eliminate the risk of having to disassemble the gun to find a hidden chunk of rest preventative gunking it up. So like I mentioned... suggestion? Oh, yeah, go ahead. If, if you got access to one of those vibrating tumblers, yeah, like just one that, like the jeweler's thing that just vibrates, if you if you, the oh, part's the, big enough... Like the ultrasonic, ultrasonic one? Cleaner, yeah. That would make a big difference. Yeah. Big, big difference if you, yeah. if you have access to an ultrasonic cleaner. Yeah. So on Another option, too, is that some of the gun stores, we actually have one at work. We could actually put the whole gun in the ultrasonic cleaner for a fee, too. So some some stores do offer a, a service of cleaning them as well. Hmm. Uh, like I noticed, I mentioned with my stock, when I, when I cleaned it with the mineral spirits, it kind of took the sheen off of it. Um, I really like true oil. I don't know if you guys have used true oil on your stocks, but I just did a little bit of uh, steel wool on on the stock and then applied some true oil, and it just looks amazing afterwards. I just took it right back. It looks better than when I took it out of the box. Yeah, it's great stuff. It's really good. So I hear hours of scrubbing. So how long from start to finish, on average, would someone spend taking out the cosmoline? So that they're they're prepared and ready to do this. Well, I mean, the stock took a while because I left it out in the sun for quite a while. But I don't know the part. Good day. Hour or two. Good day. I don't know. I didn't leave that long. I don't think. But you said how many? You said you left it several afternoons just to. Oh, well, the, the, the stock. First, yeah, the right? stock. But the metal parts cleaned off fairly easily in my in my experience, anyways. But. Okay. So, but but Thomas is saying a day. What about you, Mike? What do you think? Um. I don't know. I don't think it takes that long. Like Josh said, I don't think it really takes that long to take the internal parts out and those can get cleaned pretty quick and easily. And then in my opinion, it just depends on how much effort you want to put into that stock. Like, do you want to leave it out there for a week and let it get real nice and warm and have it all bleed out and never have to worry about it again? Or are you just going to, you know, wipe off what's on the outside so that you can get out to the range and shoot? Because the stock doesn't really make the gun function or not function if it's not perfectly clean it just makes it so that you have a better experience i'm just not gonna have a stinky hand or cheek when you're done yeah okay curious anything else to add to the gun cleaning portion cosmoline cleaning portion no sounds good so here's a question what goes best with old crappy surplus guns 
crappy, dirty, cheap, surplus, corrosive ammunition. Of course. You have that's to be a- time period accurate, right? Right. And that and I'm also cheap and that's I don't I don't mind doing a bit of a bit of cleaning. Like, you know, if I can save a few cents per round, I'll I'll clean the gun when I'm done shooting. Not a big deal. But uh so what what's the deal with the corrosive ammo? Um it's actually the primers, not the not just the the ammo or the powder or anything else it's the corrosive primers uh, potassium chloride and sodium chloride are are pretty harmless alkalis but when they're exposed to hydrogen and oxygen from the ambient humidity in the air they can form a powerful acid that will cause the steel in your rifle to rust and pit most modern ammunition is not corrosive but old military surplus ammo is different for surplus ammunition there's two main types of primers a burdan primer and a boxer primer boxer primed ammunition is not corrosive so if you don't have to worry about it not all Burdan, not all Burdan is corrosive, but almost all surplus ammunition you find on the market with Burdan primers is corrosive. If your ammunition is Burdan primed, uh, it's better to be safe than sorry and treat the ammunition as corrosive. It won't hurt your rifle to clean it, so it's a good idea to thoroughly clean it to get all the salts out anytime you're shooting Burdan primed ammunition. So I put a little in the show notes of how to maybe identify. Well, that. I was going to say that identification works great if you have the primer out, but if right. the primer if the primer's in there, you'd have no idea. Well, actually, I, I know a good resource for that. Frosty from Slamfire did a, an excellent show, a couple of videos about testing uh, corrosive ammo, and he did a whole setup with nails and putting this, this the spent shells on top of the nails, and following how fast and whether it corrodes, the amount of corrosion. But if you, you want to go back into YouTube, uh, I mean, probably a couple of years ago. There's the, the hunting gear guy. And so he did an excellent job on uh, corrosive ammo. If you actually physically want to see what happens to it when ex- and steel touches it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll look for that. Yeah. So how yeah, do you figure out if you're Burdan primed or not? Well, like Mike said, like like you said, Mike, there's there's I don't know how to look at it and see, but in the little image there, it's really just the um, the flash holes. Um two flash holes or the one, but I don't know how, like, I don't think it would look any different with just the primers in place. Would it, Thomas? Oh, until you try to deprime it with your press and you snap your pin. Yeah. I'd rather not find out that way. Can, do you know if, is it possible to like shoot one round and then look inside the case and see if there's two holes? Like, is it possible to, you know, get your flashlight in your eye with, you know, straight enough to see in the case? I've never done it, but I'm sure as long as it's not uh, too foul, you might be able to see the primer. I mean, if if that's your plan to do it, you could always go shoot that one round and then take your chops on, just chop the case in half and look and see. <laughs> or just right. pull a bullet. Just pull a yeah. bullet and empty the powder out, and that way you'll get a clean view of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would work too, yeah. Sounds like something we should do. Then you've got some nice fertilizer to put on the grass. Yeah, right. Or, or a nice light show for the kids. <laughs> was it, didn't you do that, Thomas? Didn't you tell us one time that you did that as a kid where you put a whole pile of, like, uh, 22s or something like that? You pulled the bullets and put oh, all man. the powder in, like, your da- in your stepdad's, like, uh, ashtray or something like that? I decided <laughs> I was going to make firecrackers, right? <laughs> I, when I was a kid, firecrackers were actually black powder. Not, not Nowadays, it's some type of white substance, now, but it was actually black powder. So I, I took some of my dad's, my stepdad's uh, rolling papers, and I took a couple like twenty twos, and I, I stacked it, and I made a wick and everything, and it just, it just flared up. So that was no good. So I just left it in the ashtray, and I went outside to play, 
I was about 13, maybe 12 or 13. Stepbrother comes in, I'm across him, he lights up his cigarette, throws his lighter, throws his match into the ashtray, this fireball, like four or five feet <laughs> shoots up in the air. You've never seen anybody jump out of their chair so high and fast in your life. Yeah, I got, I got grounded for that one. Yeah. So what I heard is that you can put on a great light show for your kids. You can. Of course and can. find out if you have Berdan primers or not. That's right. You want to do a line, then a pile, a line, then a pile, line, then a pile. It was great. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do you, what do you do uh, if you're shooting if you're shooting uh, surplus ammo for the cleaning and maintenance? Um, in the past, when corrosive ammunition was standard issue for the military, soldiers would simply rinse the gun with hot water, hot and soapy water. Uh, the corrosive salts are hydroscopic, so they really they readily dissolve in the water. The basic solution of soap and water also neutralizes the acids created by the corrosive salts. So really, it's it's not a big big deal. I mean, you get home and you pour hot water down there, and then you just re-oil your gun, and it's really not that big a deal. You have to treat it just like a muzzle loader. Yeah, yeah. Basically, because all that corrosive powder is also coming on the outside of the gun as well too. So we make sure you clean. You want to clean the barrel and anything that that smoke has come in contact with, because it will start to corrode the gun from the outside as well too. So I've seen a lot of people, you know, when, when I first got it, I was looking up YouTube videos and stuff and some people say Windex and I've kind of found out that was a myth because it's really just the water in the Windex that does it. Um, now some people use boiling water. I don't know why you'd really need to use boiling water. That seems a little dangerous, but I think just, uh, hot water is really all you need to use. Yeah. Yeah. Hot soapy water is usually what they recommend for, for muzzle loaders as well too. So yeah. yeah. I I used to use boiling water. We uh, I had a kettle, so I'd fill it up with water, hot water or whatever, you know, boil it, and that's what I'd use to pour in there. Because, like you said, Josh, you just go online, you find a hundred different answers, and you just pick the one you like. Um, yeah. But I will say well, this: I I always got pitting. That's part of the reason why I just got sick and tired of it because it seemed like no matter how much I cleaned that gun, it would still rust, and yeah, I gave up. And just remember, if you do the boiling water trip, you just soaked your gun in water. So then you have to relubricate everything once you do that. Yeah. Let, let it dry and relubricate everything immediately. Yep. Makes sense. Fun times. <laughs> Which is why I don't own any surplus. I'm lazy. Yeah. That's why I don't shoot mine. Yeah. Yep. They're nice at, at first. And then you go. You know, you have to range all day, then you know you have to come home for a couple hours and clean all these stupid guns where anything else I can just shove in the safe and not worry about it until I hit around 500 rounds. And... <laughs> 500. I clean my guns usually once a year unless they stop working. So, so do you think uh, having it in your safe next to all your other guns, like, do you think that would cause an issue or does it really have to be in contact? I don't know. It depends. I guess it would depend on the humidity level in your safe, and if if they're in physical contact with the other gun. Yeah, I if haven't you got shot a rusty my barrel rusting against against a good barrel. I'm sure it could start oxidization. Yeah, I haven't shot my SKS in a long time, but it shares a safe with a bunch of other guns, and I've never noticed that those guns get rusty or anything like that. But I also haven't shot in a long time, so maybe all of it's uh, 
salts have already dissolved whatever metal or the salts are, were cleaned off well last time. Well, that's about all I've got, guys. Yeah. Sorry, so Josh, you said that you, you clean yours with warm water? Yeah. And you that's worked well for you so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, I will admit, though, when I got my Mosin and I was cleaning it, uh, I, I did take a look at my uh, SKS at the same time, and I hadn't used it for a long time, and there was a light uh, coating of rust on the in, inside the barrel. Everything else was fine on the outside, but when I took my bore light and looked down in, it was a little bit rusty in there. But, yeah. So. And do you disassemble the gun every time you go to the range or, you know, even just take the action out of the stock or do you just leave it in there and just pretty much dunk it in water? I just, I just field strip it, but I take the, the bolt out and all the, and the, uh, I guess I don't know what it's all called, but I take the, uh, like for the gas system, I take all that oh. apart, like the springs and the springs. Yep. So just kind of field strip it, whatever I can take apart easily. I'd, I've never taken the trigger group out aside from my initial clean, um, and everything seems to look okay in there. Okay. Did you swab a, Did you put a swab of oil down the barrel before you uh, stored it? I do. Yeah. It's still got rust. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it still still isn't great. <laughs> but again, you know, I it looks okay from the outside, and it was a two hundred dollar gun, and I don't know, it's just a cheap fun gun that I like, so I'm not worried about keeping it pristine yeah well that's part of it right is it is it a gun collection or or is it a gun to shoot a little both I think a little rest, bit of both but... i guess but yeah. i i don't a little bit of rust on it like it doesn't didn't bother me too much i don't i don't want it to get worse and have pitting issues or become a safety issue but i mean it was just a light film it came off pretty much when i cleaned it so yeah okay yeah, i wouldn't worry about it it's a 200 gun yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, in knowing how much effort it takes to clean a surplus gun, now, Thomas, you already said that you wouldn't bother doing it. I already implied that I wouldn't bother doing it. Josh and Amanda, do you think it's worth that much effort for the gun? Or do yeah, you think true. that, like, just, and I'll speak strictly on, like, the surplus, you know, antiquity, ant antique side of it yeah do you think it's I, worth it absolutely i think it is too because it's not my every oh, not that i have an everyday gun but it's not it's not the gun i i, can, I play with every week it's something i bring out maybe every six months right so it's not like <laughs> if it was something i wanted to use regularly yeah that would be a pain in the ass and i wouldn't want to do it anymore but yeah. for my you know, the, other, the other option too is just don't don't buy crows of animals well, there, and there's that too, right? You can do that if that's what you want to do. But yeah, and we, we we get both types in stock. We get we do get the corrosive stuff on on sale, like bulk stuff, and we get the non-corrosive. Yeah. We get both. So. What what's the price difference, Thomas? Do you know off the top of your head the corrosive versus non-corrosive? There non hasn't been much of a price difference. Every time you see a big price difference, if it's say a commercially loaded uh, hunting round, oh, okay. normally SKSs they anywhere from ten dollars to fifteen dollars for the, for the packages. No, they have gone up lately, but for it some reason, the country where they're coming from. For some reason, I thought that non-corrosive ammo was like double the price, like enough that it was like, all right, this might be worth cleaning the gun. I don't know. No, last few batches we've had, they've been almost the same price. Hmm. Yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, we we split on a case three ways, like a fifteen hundred round case, and I think it was like two hundred eighty bucks at Gotenda, <laughs> but that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
I hate to say it, but they're probably the cheapest place around for ammo. Yeah. Because they, they, they do our, our door crashers. Like, nobody can compete with their prices. A lot of times they're lost feeders that don't make any money in the ammo. So if you see something at GoTenna, it's probably the cheapest price you're going to find around on ammo. But I never said that. <laughs> going back to the whole is it worth it process to me it is and a i know that josh actually really enjoys the downtime of cleaning the guns it's something that he enjoys to do it's part of the process and you appreciate the guns more so you're inspecting them you know and sometimes i mean we haven't done it in a long time but sometimes we'll go down and we'll clean guns together and so it's it's a process for us but just the same as when you're you know, taking care hold of on, other hold on, hold on. things. Right? Clean, clean guns together. Yeah. Mike, yeah. has Sarah ever cleaned any of her own guns? Yes, she has, and she would I mean, beat me if I told you that she hadn't. Yes, she has. She has cleaned her own M and P. I'm going to say multiple times, but good, don't ask good. me if that means more than twice. <laughs> Terry has never cleaned any of her firearms. Yeah. Here's the uh, thing. I I t I think Sarah shot her gun until she had a problem because she's like me. She doesn't want to clean her stuff. And yeah. I think she's like, oh, I have a problem with this. And I said, yeah, you need to clean it. And she's like, okay. Like, and I think she was said, she's like, all right, how do I do it? So it's like, all right, like, let's sit down. I'll pick out like a handgun too. So we'll kind of go through the process where they're both similar, what we're cleaning, how we're taking it apart and all that stuff. And we just cleaned our guns. Yeah. Yeah, that, was... that, that really surprises me, Mike, that you clean your guns so so not very often because you strike me as a bit of a fussy person. And if you're competing, like I would think that you going to a competition would want to rule out any potential issues. Like take out it, take that off the table. So, right? so there, you have to define cleaning too, right? When I say I don't clean my guns, I only clean my guns like once a year. That means like actually like take things apart like and really start cleaning it um in the sense of like a semi i i might take the slide off take the barrel out you know run a run like a boar snake through the barrel take a look if it's clean sure if i see any buildup on the ramp maybe clean that off put some oil on the the on the slide on the slide rails i think that's what it's called like uh do that but like that's just like the small maintenance like when it comes to my revolvers for the most part maybe a boar snake down the barrel and a boar snake in the cylinder depending on how often i'm shooting maybe once a month maybe just before a major match well that sounds like cleaning to me then uh it depends on how much yeah like if you want to call that cleaning when i call when i say cleaning i'm usually talking about you know, completely stripping it, having to use like a brass brush and like soaking stuff and like really scraping and like getting the gun, you know, back to that 90% of factory condition because, you know. Would you take apart your trigger assembly then? Uh, once a year at the most. Okay. Uh, my philosophy on your trigger assembly, now it depends on the gun, but my philosophy on a lot of guns like the revolver is that for the most part, they're sealed. Or, you know, they're yeah, not they don't get very dirty. No, they don't. So just, just a drop of lubrication once a year is all they need. And uh, I, I've even read, or maybe it was on YouTube, I saw someone, they were talking about revolvers, like Smith & Wesson revolvers. The guy was a gunsmith, and he said that someone brought in a revolver that he had been shooting regularly for like 20-something years. The guy just cleaned the barrel, never took the gun apart, and he took the, like the, the side plate off, and he's like, it was virtually clean. Like there wasn't much to yeah. do on like this twenty year old gun that probably shot thousands of rounds. Yeah. 
So I just I just don't see the necessity in doing it. I, if anything, I'm more likely to take mine apart just to look at like the springs and make sure nothing's wearing out prematurely. Just I because I, I shoot the gun so much. Really, only do that with my 22s because I find they get really dirty, and I can actually feel like the trigger is getting crunchy, like on my, yeah. my Victory or on my uh, my A22. Yeah. And I guess in a case like that, it would really just depend on the gun, right? And how it was designed and how it gets dirty and things like that. What gets dirty and what, what doesn't? What can you let slide, right? Yeah. And you can, yeah. You can feel it in a revolver because things start to slow down. Like it yeah. still works, but things are a little slow. Where with an autoloader, it's, you're going to start having malfunctions. Yeah. You'll feel the slowness before you'll have a malfunction on the revolver. Well, I, yeah. I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> Because <laughs> the, the places you can get build up in the revolver are, are, are the ratchets in, in the front, and you might get build up for the BC gap. But that's about it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the BC gap you can easily see when that starts getting built up, and you'll feel it in the gun because you'll feel it uh, trying to rotate. Even though the gun will still work fine, but you'll feel it dragging on it. Yeah, but like, yeah. Besides that, like most of the parts of the gun of the revolver, like there's no way besides maybe like literal dirt getting in like where the hammer is, uh, you know, in the frame. There's a, I'm sure there's a very small gap there, but I mean, unless you're rolling on the beach in the sand, like, you know, <laughs> <Which I tend laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I shoot at some places that we joke, are, we jokingly say that they're beaches because when you get your brass, it's just full of sand. But, like, I'm still not rolling in it. I'm not dropping my gun in it or anything like that. So, like, not that much is going to get in there. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, do we, it looks like we don't have any events to mention. Uh, is there anything anybody has to add? No. Nope. Mm, I can think of. No list of emails. Nobody's writing us. Well, I guess... Uh, our next episode will be our Christmas episode. So if there's anyone wants to share what, uh, what they're hoping Santa will bring them, yeah, you know, please send us an email or uh, a message on Facebook, or they can do it at host at newshootercanada.ca or on the website at newshootercanada.ca. I think I said that twice. Host at newshootercanada.ca and newshoot. Yeah. yeah. I did that right. Or maybe get to give Jay a shout and see if he wants to come on the Christmas show. Yeah. We'll see what he's up to. And hopefully we'll get George. Santa's been busy the last couple of years, so we haven't actually had Santa on the show for a couple of years. So we'll have to contact George. He, he's got an in with Santa. Yeah, yep. well, <laughs> well, he does have that secret bunker. Wasn't it in the Arctic somewhere? Yeah, the, the underbound, underground igloo bunker. Yeah, I think that's what it was. the yeah. Great White North. Yeah, Maybe that's how he met Santa. Could be, could be. If you guys haven't listened to anything, you want some entertaining, listen to the first 12 or 13 episodes of New Shooter Canada when it was a, a, a solo show with George. It, they're great. He's, you know, he was a new shooter. He had all this enthusiasm. And had, that's why I started listening to it. And I became friends with George because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Do you have any shout outs, guys? Um, my sister, Corrine. <laughs> She, uh, I, I was speaking to her last week, and I told her how I was, I was kind of angry when my grandmother passed. And my dad didn't give me her Christmas tree train. So she said, okay, don't don't worry. I'm, I've got dad's train, so you can have dad's train. I said, okay. So I'm expecting this little teeny-weeny, you know, small train to go around the tree. 
she comes in with two boxes. I mean, massive, massive boxes. There's enough train track to cover my whole living room. I've got like 15, 20 buildings. I've got workmen's side rails, signals. I'm it's coming. a complete town. I was going to say, you, you should make a little Christmas town. I did, but I had to, I condensed everything. I, I got rid of, I just put an oval and I probably get, and all the villages are lit up and I've got like little CN workers working on the trains and everything. But there's lights, there's trees, and the, the animals haven't destroyed it yet. I'm quite surprised. That's so, Corrine, thank you for the train. Wow, that's cool. I would love to do something like that on the buffet table. I think that's I'll make a little video and I'll send it to you, Amanda. Please, cool. please. Yeah. That'll make me happy. All right. How about you, Mike? Anybody? Uh, no, I got. I don't have any shout outs this week. Amanda? Uh, nah. No. <laughs> I actually, I want to shout out to Josh for oh, writing gosh. such a good episode. Um, I've been absent the last little while, so I appreciate Josh and Amanda stepping up. So thank you guys. I just appreciate it. Yeah, so why don't you uh, why don't you take a son out of here, Thomas? Okay, to next week. Keep your barrels down, range and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Choose your caliber wisely. See you later, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Well, I really like twenty-two men. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small, they're for sale till I want them all. I like guns, I like guns, I like guns.